your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to be back for a solo episode. I feel like I haven't done one of these in a while. We've been in March Madness where I've been releasing two episodes a month, and I just want to update you all. I cannot continue that. It is so much work, and I have so many other projects I want to work on. So March Madness was definitely a special event. I hope you enjoyed it. There will still be two more episodes next week. But starting in April, we're going back to a weekly schedule until I can clear my plate because, yeah, it's just a quick turnaround and it's a lot of work to launch two episodes a week. That being said, we've listened to so many incredible powerhouses. We've talked about entrepreneurship and money and multi-passionate and business. I've had so much fun talking to everybody. And next week, you're going to hear from some more incredible people. And I cannot wait. There's a lot of spicy conversations coming up. We're talking about money mindset and why it might actually be keeping you broke. I know. I know it sounds controversial, but don't worry. I have a financial coach coming on to talk about this who's a former accountant. I also have a friend on and we talk about the hero's journey and how being on social sometimes works against us and what we're trying to accomplish. So there's a lot coming up. I'm really excited about it. But I did a poll on my Instagram and I saw that you guys wanted to learn about building habits that stick. So that's what today's episode is going to be about. Listen, have you been wanting to launch a podcast or if you have a podcast, have you been wanting to grow and monetize it, but you're getting stuck because you just don't know what to do? Well, my one-on-one coaching is open and I am so excited to help you launch, grow and monetize your podcast. I have been in the space for just about five years now, which feels insane. And my background is actually in content marketing, influencer marketing, broadcast journalism, reporting, hosting, and storytelling. That is what I spent my entire 20s doing. And now I'm applying it all to podcast coaching. So when you work with me, you're not just getting a quick launch checklist of what to buy, where to go, record, and what to edit, and then you're done. We're talking deep content strategy and how to make your podcast work for you. So if you're a busy mom, or if you're a college student, or if you have a full-time job that just won't allow you to record all the time, those are some constraints that we have to think about when you build a podcast. So maybe a weekly one-hour episode doesn't make sense. Maybe you need to do seasons. Maybe you need to do bi-weekly episodes. There's so many things that go into making a podcast work for you, and that's where I come in and make recommendations based on your mental capacity, your energetic capacity, what you want to talk about, what you're desiring to talk about. We work on everything. And then, of course, the technical side is involved. I have a whole launch plan for you that has video tutorials, walkthroughs, resources, checklists, and you get access to my podcast course, Mic Drop, which is One of my favorite courses I think I've ever built because it's the most thorough and most concise. 
it's pretty much guaranteed if you watch all the videos and apply them, you can launch a podcast. If this sounds exciting to you and you're like, yes, I've been wanting to launch a podcast or I have one and I just want to grow it and monetize it, I am here to help you. I have just a handful of spots open and then I'll be shutting down enrollment until summer. So if you're interested, head to the link in my show notes or DM me at Chelsea Wright and fill out the application and then we'll figure out the best next step for you. All right, let's jump into this week's episode about building habits that stick. Okay, so before we dive into the tactical strategies that I've used to build habits that stick, and I know other people as well, I want to give you background on where I was before I started my whole habit building journey. I am an Aquarius, and I identify hardcore with my Aquarius sun sign. It's interesting because I'm a Virgo moon rising, and then I have a Capricorn in North Node and a Cap Stellium in the fifth house. So I have major Capricorn energy. I have a lot of Virgo energy, which traditionally in astrology are the signs knowing known for being organized, hardworking, meticulous, practical, etc. And I definitely identify with some of those, but I have never, ever, ever identified with being super structured and organized. Like I said, my Aquarius sun, I feel like shines the brightest in my life. And I often live on chaos and impulsivity. I'm not risk averse at all. I take high risks all the time and I'm like, figure it out and we'll deal with the consequences later. That's pretty much been a lot of my life. So with my Aquarius sun energy and just being a very visual visionary person and liking to disrupt things and be a little rebellious, I have always hated the idea of structure and routine. I'm like, that sounds boring. Structure and routine are for boring people. That would make me boring. Organized people are not interesting. I mean, I don't even know where I was getting these limiting beliefs or thoughts, but this is truly what I thought. It actually got to a point, and I'm not kidding, that I had to do shadow work around what it meant to be disciplined and structured. So I was in this shadow work challenge and I was doing it with a friend. And basically, we started writing out what was our fear of what we were basically facing in our shadows. So by the way, if you don't know what shadow work is, it's basically just identifying the sides of yourself that you're not as comfortable sharing publicly. You kind of keep hidden or suppressed and you're just trying to identify it and really bring it into the light and accept that as part of who you are, right? We all contain multitudes. We all contain darkness and lightness. And I know shadow work can feel like a very, um, I don't know, very like, ethereal word. But when I actually did this challenge, I was like, oh, wow, (laughs) there's a lot to uncover here. And basically what I found when I did this challenge was I thought if I become a disciplined, structured and organized person, I'm going to lose my creativity. I'm going to lose that fun, flowy side of me. I'm going to lose my intuitive nature that allows me to trust things and just go with the flow because the structure or system or organization is just going to like cut into it. That's actually what I thought. I also thought that becoming disciplined and organized or structured would mean that if I ever veered away from that, I would be really upset with myself and disappoint myself. I talked about this a few weeks ago on the When Anxiety Hits podcast. Um, It's called When Anxiety Hits Try This podcast. It was a solo one and I talked about how to deal with when you're having some anxious thoughts. And In that episode, I opened up about how one of the worst traits I feel like I have is I'm really hard on myself. I was a straight A student, always had good grades, always been the top of my class. Like I'm just someone that I've never truly failed at anything when it's come to work or 
academia or books or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's really easy. I'm very book smart is what I'm saying. So for me, when it comes to like emotional change or lifestyle changes, it makes me feel a bit insecure. And so when I was doing the shadow work, I was like, I'm afraid that if I can't keep up this disciplined, structured version of myself, I'm going to actually end up beating myself up more for not staying disciplined and structured versus where I am now. So I'd rather just play it safe, keep on this neutral path where I'm not really structured, but a little bit too chaotic and wish I was more structured. And we'll just see how this goes because my life has run pretty fine that way. And that's the way things are. That literally was my nature probably until I would say the pandemic. Honestly, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, I don't ever remember a time where I had so much structure. You know what? I'll take that back. I guess in work, you could say that, right? You have actual structure. You have a time you have to be at work. You have a time that you're done with work. And then you pretty much have a routine of going home, working out, eating, whatever your routine is. I definitely had that when I worked in corporate America, but I did not have like daily rituals. I didn't have strong habits. I, again, I thought that was boring. I was like, like, even now when I talk about habits, I'm like, is this boring? (laughs) Like, that's actually a limiting belief that I have. So fast forward, the pandemic hits. I'm in Germany. We are in a lockdown and there is absolutely nothing to do but work on yourself or your business or a project. And in Germany, by the way, the lockdown was very, very strict. We could not even go shopping for clothes. You could only go to the grocery store or takeaway at restaurants. And it just felt weird to get takeaway when you're like, okay, I guess we're just going to go back to our kitchen and eat it just like when we cook. And so we actually, when I say we, I'm talking about my ex-partner and I, we would just make it a, a fun activity to try and cook something new every week. That ultimately became a habit. And I didn't realize that until honestly, when I started outlining this episode, But going to the grocery store and cooking for ourselves and knowing what to buy was just a habit. We didn't think about it. We didn't struggle to figure out what was was our next step and what we were doing, what we were doing, tongue twister. And that became a habit was, yeah, we're out of food. Let's go to the grocery store. Let's pick up the recipe that we want and let's go back and cook it. Then when my business was starting to really take off in probably early January, I knew I needed to have some structure or systems because there was no way that I was going to be able to handle the amount of clients I wanted to take on without having something in place, whether that's automation or an onboarding process, things like that. So I hired a specialist to help me who is still currently with me, shout out Jofi, and she's helping me build systems and structures in my business, which you could look at as habits. Once that was set up and I started realizing how much free time was being created by building these structures and systems, like things were just automated and you didn't have to think about it. It started to hit me. How could I apply the way my software works in my business to my life? As I started thinking about this, by the way, I didn't really think about the this piece until probably late fall 2021. So let me backtrack a little bit. In Germany, my habits were basically making the bed making fruit juice or juicing, cleaning, tidying up, doing some laundry. And then my calls wouldn't start until like 12 or one because I was in Europe. So I was ahead of all my clients. Again, I didn't realize I was building habits until I started really thinking about it. 
but it just became habitual to get out of bed. And then the first thing I did was make the bed and then I needed to eat. So then I went to the kitchen and opened the fridge and cut up the veggies I needed for the juice. And then after that, my brain went to, okay, it's time to tidy up. So I was kind of building this morning routine system that would allow so much free time and creativity, which is why I think even though my business was actually kind of chaotic to manage at that time, it didn't feel that chaotic because I had all this free time in the morning and all these great habits I had built to relax my nervous system, to chill out and actually enjoy my mornings so that when I started work, it wasn't me running to my desk, you know, whipping open my laptop, frantically checking my email. I never entered my workspace with that energy unless I was super busy. And even then it was hard to be super, super busy because I was ahead of people. So I had that whole morning to myself. Now, fast forward, we're in late 2021. My ex-partner and I broke up. I moved back home and I was going through a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. I emotionally have a really hard time with breakups. It actually does take me a pretty long time to feel 100% like myself again and okay. And you have to remember too, it's not that we just broke up. We broke up in a foreign country. So I had to leave behind a country that I had just made my home for a year. I gave up a visa that I spent pretty much the entire year working to get, which was a lot of paperwork and a lot of money. I left a culture that I had spent so much time investing in. I took private lessons to learn German. I actively tried to speak German. And I left behind a whole group of friends that I had made in Germany, including my roommates and people I had met in other parts of Germany. And then, of course, my ex-partner, who I spent every single day with during the pandemic. So this was so unsettling to my nervous system that when I when we broke up, I started traveling because I was like, I'm getting out of the apartment. I'm not staying here. <laughs> we'll do a whole other episode on how I dealt with that breakup. But essentially, you just have to know Germany has a lot of red tape and it's not that easy to just be like, hey, I'm moving out. I found a sublease. That's not how it works at all. I had to pay for my apartment for three months after we broke up. And obviously, I did not want to stay in this same apartment with my ex. So I started traveling around until I could figure out what my next step was. Well, as you can imagine, traveling when you're trying to move on from a breakup also is very unsettling because now you're like, okay, first of all, I'm trying to just get back on my feet. But now I'm in multiple different countries with multiple different currencies multiple different languages. I don't know anybody. I don't have a support system. I don't know how much money to budget because I kind of just left on a whim. And that became so chaotic that eventually I was like, okay, this was fun. Loved it. Live, laugh, love. But I got to get home and be around my family. I need to have a support system. I need to emotionally reset, financially reset, and get back to some type of homeostasis because that probably six weeks of breaking up and then traveling was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And the reason I'm telling you all this backstory is because this is what caused me to realize how important habits are. So I get back home and I'm just trying to move on, right? I'm like, let me pour myself into my friends, into my work, into hanging out with my family, into trying to just see new things around the town that I like see the town with fresh eyes and what happened too was because I was back home, my schedule changed. So now all of a sudden my hours were aligned with my clients and I had to think about, okay, I'm not six hours ahead of everyone any, anymore. 
I need a better morning routine because now I'm on the same schedule as everyone. We're all waking up at the same time and things are changing. Now, there was a period where I was simply trying to just basically get my shit together, right? Get everything back in order. I was trying to, we had to untangle so much stuff from the apartment and the visa and the government and everything that the first few months I was home was just, I felt like an untangling process. And I felt like I lost a lot of good habits that I had built. I, I still made my bed. That is actually a habit I'm very proud of. I, I never used to make my bed and I've made my bed probably consistently for like three or four years now. I know it took me a long time, but you know, we got there. Yeah, I just noticed I was like kind of running on fumes and didn't really have a morning routine, didn't have a nighttime routine, didn't have anything that I habitually ate. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, let's go to this restaurant. Let's eat this. Who cares? Let's eat this in the morning. It was all very like vague and abstract how my days felt. And internally, it actually made me feel worse because I had no structure and nothing to look forward to that I had to rely a lot on my own motivation, which not sure about you, but when you're trying to untangle a life that you had and you're adjusting to not only living back home, but living back home after a breakup, motivation really isn't like your top priority. It was at this point where I was back home being like, I feel like not great. I was also going out every weekend and drinking a lot, like going balls to the wall, going out on the week, like going so hard, just meeting guys. And I honestly was just trying to like mask my feelings and move on. And that didn't help either. You know, never in my life has drinking for hours on end and getting absolutely wasted really helped anything. But I thought, oh, having fun and socializing will help me recover and move on. And it just didn't have the exact effect that I wanted it to. And eventually it got to a point where I was talking to my sister and shout out Izzy. She read Atomic Habits last year by James Clear. And she was talking about how it basically had changed her life. And I remember because I had to come home for a little bit in 2021 to reset my visa. And she was like working out every day, eating healthy, tracking all her workouts. Her body was changing. She was like journaling in the morning, going outside. She was just in a good mood all the time, energized. And then that energy actually kind of like permeated throughout the house. And she motivated my parents to work out and they were doing yoga every day. And the whole family was just kind of on this wavelength of like, okay, yeah, we're active people. We're, we're morning people. We're going to get this kind of like lifestyle going. She had it next to the bed. And by the way, full transparency here, when I moved home, I didn't have a place to sleep because obviously your parents don't expect you to just move home out of the blue when you've lived abroad and by yourself for 10 years. So I was sharing a bed with my little sister for like actually a really long time. Thank God we are close and we're not like crazy sleepers, but we would go to bed and we'd always have these chit chats. And she told me about Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I was like, yeah, cool. I think I get the gist of it. Probably don't need to read it. It's probably some boring book about building habits that I don't care about. And I don't want to read another self-development book. And I definitely am not going to try to build habits right now because I'm just trying to heal from heartbreak. Like that was pretty much my internal reaction. And I knew it definitely piqued my interest though, because I saw how much she had transformed, but I was like, mm, yeah, I don't really feel like reading a book right now about habits. You know what I mean? I want to go to therapy and I want to move forward from my last relationship. So the months go on. 
the drinking is still happening, eating like shit, no real structure to my day. And you just hit this point where you're like, I don't feel good. You know, like I'm kind of done with this. I don't like how I'm feeling. This doesn't feel great. I need to do something about this. So lo and behold, I ended up picking up Atomic Habits and I started reading it. And after the first 10 pages, I was like, okay, I understand why people are obsessed with this book. James Clear, I, he's like a dream guest on the podcast right now. I'm going to pitch him. We're going to have him on. Mark my words. And the next like one to five years, James Clear is going to come on. But I was like, wow, this is not what I thought. It's not some boring, dry book. He gives real examples of how small, tiny habits can change your life. He gave examples from sports team to transportation to plants and nature and how all these small, tiny things that people and nature go through actually end up resulting in these massive changes. And he used this example, which I think I've said before in this podcast, if not, I've said it in an email, that bamboo, it actually takes, I think, about six years to to build its extensive root system underground before it just shoots up in the air and becomes bamboo in like, I think two weeks. Now don't mark my statistics on that. But I remember being like, wait, what? Bamboo takes years to grow their roots and then it just shoots up in a few weeks. And for some reason, that story really stuck with me. And I had to start racking my brain of like, oh my God, this is, this is true about anything in my life. Anything that I've sustained slowly but surely I've, it's almost like you don't even notice that you've changed and you're like, oh yeah, I don't do that anymore. I don't drink that anymore. I don't say that anymore. I don't hang out with those people anymore. And it wasn't an overnight thing. You're just like, oh, I just kind of made a decision. And over time, that small habit ended up massively transforming my life. So James Clear was a huge, huge help in this. And then at the same time, I was working with a client who actually, shout out to Kelly Carlson, was starting a podcast about habits. And it was called the One Bad Habit Podcast, where it was all about building habits that stick. So throughout our work, I'm hearing about how she was also inspired by James Clear, how she built habits, how her habit tracking actually changed her life. And I was like, you know what? Maybe habits aren't so bad. Maybe they're not boring. Maybe they'll actually help me. And I should start thinking about building really healthy habits. So I'm going to take some concepts and ideas from James' book and expand upon them, and then also just what's worked for me, and I hope this helps you. So the first thing that James says is start with identity. And if you're into archetype embodiment or choosing a video game character or choosing the star of your own movie that day, this is basically what I think is step one to building really concrete habits. So instead of saying something like, I want to lose five pounds by the end of the month, and I'm just going to set a goal that, you know, each day I'm going to eat a salad and have a smoothie and work out for the next four weeks, you should try to flip that model and say, instead of I'm trying to lose five pounds by the end of the month, maybe I want to be a healthy person. And what would a healthy person do every day? What kind of habits would they have? What kind of food would they order? What kind of movement would they do? What's their mindset? And what's interesting is this archetype embodiment or identity embodiment, whatever you want to call it, can be used across multiple facets of your life. So what I mean by that is maybe you have one identity for your work and then you have another one for your health. 
And then you have another one for your relationship. You don't have to be the same video game character in each aspect of your life. So for me, when it came to being a healthy person, I actually just started really thinking about people I knew in my life that were healthy or people I followed online that I thought were healthy. And I literally would just think, what would they do? If they were here at this restaurant, what would they be ordering? If they woke up right now and had to choose between the iced frappuccino with whipped cream or an oat milk latte, which one would they choose? And you just start thinking and making decisions from that place. Because what's interesting is when you change your identity, you're now creating a system and structure within your own life that helps to support that identity versus a short-term goal that is usually pretty fleeting. And I noticed this to be true when I was about 22. I lost a ton of weight after college, but I did it really, really quickly. I also took a diet pill that I'm pretty sure is like banned from the market now. And I was doing a lot to lose that weight. I was doing two days a week of kickboxing, two days a week of Bikram yoga, walking, measuring out every single thing I ate, um, tracking every single food. It was like pretty hardcore. And the reason I'm telling this story is because I lost all the weight and I had made that short term goal. And again, the goal was just like, I want to lose X amount of pounds by this date. And I did. But because I never changed my identity or built a system, I pretty much gained the weight back a few years later. And I couldn't keep it up. I couldn't sustain it because I didn't build that identity. I still had the identity of a crazy college party girl who ate tacos and Jimmy John's on the weekend, but I had never shifted to, okay, actually, wait, you lost this weight. How can you sustain it? So when you're thinking about identity, you want to think of who you want to be, right? That's, that's the ultimate question. Who do you want to be? I want to be a healthy person. I don't want to be someone who lost five pounds. Do you see the difference? So let's use this same thing for work. Let's say you're like, I'm trying to tighten up my boundaries of my contracts at work. Well, maybe your identity is someone that you can think of in your life that you respect their contracts. And you're like, yeah, they have pretty like ironclad contracts and they don't budge on them. Or maybe it's your own place of work. If you have a full-time job, maybe it's your parents and you've seen them work and you're like, yeah, they don't fuck around with their contracts. So you're like, I'm going to be a boss that has tight contracts, not I'm going to update one contract with this clause. Do you see the difference now? There's a difference between long-term thinking and short-term thinking. And I think identity is where you start to build healthy habits. So I actually did this pretty recently where I've been embodying someone that I think is healthier. So when I went out to eat last week, we went to this restaurant that has amazing food, but it also has a lot of fried food, a lot of gluten, a lot of sauces. And those are all things that upset my stomach, even though they taste really freaking yummy. But I'm like, okay, a healthy person wouldn't compromise their health and say, oh, I'm going to get the cheeseburger with French fries and a Coke because I know when I'm done eating that, I'm going to feel like absolute shit. So instead... My sister and I were there together and we ordered an ahi tuna bowl and actually split it. And then we felt great. We're like, wow, we don't have stomach aches. We're actually full. We're satiated. We don't feel like shit. We can have a little dessert if we really want to because we don't actually feel stuffed or like we're going to throw up, which would have probably been the case if I had a cheeseburger, fries and Coke. So that embodiment helped me in that moment make a decision even though the cheeseburgers looked great and people were eating them around me, I literally saw the guy next to me get one. I was like, damn, that looks good. I just thought, well, what would a healthy person order? 
it probably wouldn't be that. Now, I want to add some context here. This is all based on your own life and goals, right? If you're like, I eat healthy all week and I'm so disciplined and I watch everything I put in my body because I don't know, this is what I want for my life. And you're like, fuck it, I'm getting a cheeseburger on Friday. Great. This is not me saying get the cheeseburger or don't. I know personally when I eat cheeseburgers, my stomach feels like a volcano and I feel physically ill. So that's why I cannot just be ordering cheeseburgers all the time. Okay, so I just want to make sure no one feels triggered or that you feel like, oh my God, yeah, I had a cheeseburger last week, bad me. No, no, no. We all need balance in our lives. I eat peanut butter cups every night. Like, I'm not here to say what you can and can't eat. Dear God, I'm not even close to being a nutritionist. For me, it was just knowing what upsets my stomach and knowing if I was embodying a healthy person, I would choose foods that didn't upset my stomach. Okay, so the next tip I have is start small. Do not be like, okay, next week I'm waking up at 6 a.m. We're going to drink celery juice. Then we're going to do a walk. Then we're going to journal for 30 minutes. And then I'm also going to meditate. And then I'm going to do Pilates. And then I'm going to do my laundry and make my bed and get ready and straighten my hair. No, 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 no. Unless you already do that. And the only habit you're changing was like one thing out of that list, then that would work. But if you're waking up at 8 a.m., and you don't have any type of movement integrated into your routine, you barely journal, and you definitely don't have any other habits that you picked up, it's going to be really hard to all of a sudden be this new version of yourself in a few days just because you out loud said you wanted to do that. So I would pick one habit that takes like two minutes or less. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> like pick a habit that is making your bed. Maybe it's just changing simply into workout clothes or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you want to dress up for work. So maybe the habit is just changing into actual clothes that you want to wear to work. Maybe it's flossing. Maybe it's washing a dish right after you use it and putting it in the dishwasher versus letting it sit there all day. So pick a habit, a very small one, and it should honestly feel so small that you're like, this is a joke. Like it almost feels like I this shouldn't even be a habit that I'm working on. But I'm telling you, once you build a small one, is when you can go to the medium one and then you go to the bigger one. Start super small and try and make it manageable. So when I started my whole journey, it's not even a journey that I even recognize like starting. I just remember there's a very clear shift in my energy in late fall where I was like, I need to change things around a little bit. So I started working out and my small thing was literally 10 minutes. It didn't matter if it was 10 minutes walking around the block with my dog 10 minutes of Pilates, 10 minutes of yoga, anything that was 10 minutes counted. But I was trying to embody the identity of someone who worked out daily. So again, I'm not comparing myself to people that go to the gym for two hours, seven days a week, who have all their meals portioned out, ready to go, hitting their macros. Like, no, 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 no. I was like, I'm just going to be someone who works out on a daily basis. And I'm going to start by doing 10 minutes. 10 minutes felt manageable to me. That doesn't feel manageable to you. Try five minutes. See what happens. The third tip I have, and this is definitely directly from James, is make it obvious and attractive if you're trying to add it into your life or make it not obvious and not attractive if you're trying to get it out of your life. So an example that I wrote down was using my phone in the morning. I think we can all relate to waking up to your alarm 
And then you just naturally have a habit to grab your phone. And then what do you know? Oops, Instagram's open. And now I'm scrolling, stalking a girl I barely know. Oops, now I'm checking my email. And oh my God, it looks like I already have to respond to 12 people. Oops, now I'm checking my Voxer, have to answer some clients. Oops, now my bank account. No. I knew that wasn't working for me and I was starting out my day so stressed out in reactive mode. Like I was already before I even got out of bed thinking about all the people I had to respond to, all the emails I had to send, all the tasks I had to do. And I was like, this has to stop. Like I am feeling so stressed out and it actually started to cause me to like have a really bad jaw clench. And I'm like, this isn't working for me. So to make it not obvious and not attractive, I first tried putting timers on, like setting timers on the social apps. That didn't work. Then my sister showed me this thing where you can actually make your whole screen black and white. You can just do this in your settings. So when you look at Instagram or email or anything, everything's in black and white. And so you would think, oh, well, if everyone's travel photos are in black and white, who cares? It's not the same thing. That didn't really work for me either. It was just a, it's so, such an ingrained habit that the black and white thing was not really working. Then I heard, okay, well, just delete the apps you don't want to use. Well, that didn't work either because I was like, when I want to use them, I can just re-download them. Like I need something that's actually annoying to do, which goes back to the not obvious and not attractive. You almost want to make something, a habit that you're trying to break annoying. So I was like, I need to step it up. So I found this alarm clock in my parents' laundry room and I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect because the reason I was scared of leaving my phone anywhere else outside of my room was I'm not going to wake up to an alarm and then I'm going to like miss calls and just have like a crazy day. So I put this alarm next to my bed and then I started putting my phone out in the kitchen and I'm like, yeah, that is very annoying. If I hear a ping or a call or anything, I'm not going to get up. And by the way, I don't even have sound on my phone, so that wouldn't even happen. But I don't have the urge to wake up in the middle of the night and go to my kitchen and open Instagram. I don't have the urge when my alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m. to sprint to my kitchen and open my email. So immediately that started helping because I was like, I'm it's not next to me. That habit of reaching over and literally opening up the screen can't happen when it's not next to me. Then I took it a step further and I turned off all notifications on my phone. I actually just did this in the last two weeks and they they've always been off on my phone on the home screen. But I'm talking about when you actually open it and you know, it's like three text messages, five WhatsApps, six Voxers, 25 emails, whatever the case is, that already sends your brain into alert mode. And as people that, especially if you own your own business, you're like, a new email, got to get back. Can't lose a sale. Can't lose a client. Can't like, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to answer this person right away. So when I see a a notification or an alert, it immediately puts me in that response mode. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try actually turning my notifications off. So the only way I'll know if someone texts me is if I actually go to the app, I have to open it. So I have to literally click the green messages button and I click it and then it shows me when someone texted me. This has helped a lot. I also did the same thing with WhatsApp. I used to get the little numbers, you know, whatever, 14 new messages. Now I turn that off. And the only way I'll know is if I actually go to WhatsApp and open it and then see that there's new messages. This has been a game changer. I have been getting so much more done. I'm not distracted. I answer people at the end of the day. And I can tell you if you're like me and you have a really hard time with breaking habits, especially with your phone, 
turn off notifications and try to remove as many as you can. Even like Instagram, I see people have all these notifications on, on their home screen and it's like, whatever, John Smith liked your story. John Smith liked your photo. Betty Smith liked your comment. I'm like, really? Do you need to be notified that on your home screen? I think you can live with keeping it off your home screen and going to the app and opening it and checking it there. Like, I don't need to be alerted that someone liked my story. Even now when Instagram sends me that in the app, I'm like, what are we doing, Instagram? I mean, we know what they're doing. They're trying to keep us on there, but that's neither here nor there. So yeah, make it not obvious and not attractive if you're trying to break it. And then on the flip side of that, make it obvious and attractive if you're trying to bring it into your life. So I started making these smoothies in the morning. And in order to make it obvious and attractive, I had to have everything set out and ready to go. So the bananas are on the counter. My sister actually organized all these protein jars and all our, you know, powders and supplements and stuff. So it looks really nice when you open the pantry. The ninja bullet, whatever, is ready to go. It's like already in a cabinet that you just pull right out. If I wanted to take it a step further, I would actually have it already like by the outlet getting ready to plug in. And then I put chia seeds in it and the chia seeds are already out on the counter. Like it's already there. So when I wake up, it's almost impossible not to make a smoothie because it's like, like literally this is a joke, right? I literally cut up the banana, pour some chia seeds, scoop the powder, pour some milk, add, add ice, we're done. So that's been really easy to start adding smoothies into what I'm eating every day because it's all ready to go. It's obvious and attractive. It looks cute. I, and I make it look cute. I put the smoothie in a glass and then I drink it with a cute little copper straw. I don't leave it in the ninja cup that is like a massive cup and then drink it that way. I actually make it look like I am at a restaurant or something, which makes it even more attractive. It makes me want to drink it. And now it's become a ritual. Also, the chia seeds. My sister loves aesthetic things. And she made, um, she put the chia seeds in this cute little jar that has like a cork top. So even that's attractive now. So like everything is attractive. It's in little trinkets and cups and jars. And so that's what I mean. If, you, if you're trying to incorporate new ingredients in your life, instead of having the box in a package back away in your pantry, bring it out, put it in a cute jar, do whatever you need to do. Add some fucking flowers around it. Like I don't care. Make it pretty so that your brain is attracted to it and you'll want to do it. This has been really key for me. The next one, which is probably the biggest one, is tracking it. And you need to make this obnoxious as if you're a kindergartner. So what I mean by this is maybe you need to go get a whiteboard. Maybe you need to get a poster. Maybe you need to get sticky notes and make it obnoxiously obvious so you can track it. I did this last, I want to say spring, when I started working with a nutritionist who I've had on this podcast, Jordana um, Sade. And she was like, hey, can you just track when you take your supplements. And I was like, okay. And she's like, no, I actually want you to like print out the paper and track it. I'm like, really? Like I can just take my notes app on my phone out and write like Monday, check mark, Tuesday, check mark. Like, why do I need to do that? And she's like, trust me, just give it a shot. I'm like, okay, this seems kind of ridiculous. And I remember tracking when I took them. And after a week, I was obsessed. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to miss a day. I don't want to miss putting the X on the actual day. I have to keep going. And I learned from that experience, having the printed piece of paper out and physically being able to write the X was such a mental shift versus putting it in my phone because the phone, there's just too much going on. 
You have text, you have photos, you have WhatsApp, you have Voxers, you have voice notes, you have everything. It's just too much going on. So to have this separate entity, AKA this piece of paper where I was tracking it became such a different energy. So now I track things obnoxiously. Right now I am looking at a huge poster board. I'm calling it Operation Glow Up where I'm tracking when I work out and then days that I read and write. And then under that, I have a whiteboard where I track my self-care or when I do gratitude journaling. And then in our laundry room, my sister and I are doing this challenge where we have a workout tracker going on as well. So we're like obsessively tracking our habits now. And I actually find it really fun because I made it look fun. The poster right now is in different colors. There's stars on it. In my whiteboard, I have like cute little, um, what's it called? Magnets on there. And then the challenge that my sister and I printed out, it's in like pink markers. So I'm telling you, you should make it look like a first grade teacher's classroom. Because if you think about it, that's what motivates kids, right? Getting the gold star, getting the trophy, getting the medal. This is essentially what you're doing. You're rewarding yourself by tracking because we love progress. We feel happiest when we're making progress. And I found that to be true because when you're tracking it and you are committing to whatever habit you set out, it feels very rewarding to watch yourself cross it out day after day after day. And I'm telling you, after a week, I truly feel like it's almost impossible to not want to keep up with it. I know I'm exaggerating, but for real, like I do think your mind loves competition. So when you're competing against yourself and you're making it again, obvious and attractive and pretty with colored markers and big posters and glitter, it's pretty hard to ignore and not want to track. And I'm happy to announce ever since I've started tracking, I have now become a person who works out five to six days a week. When before in Germany, I was working out barely one or two. I have every single day crossed off on my self-care and gratitude section. I have not missed a day on the challenge of working out with my sister. And yeah, everything I've been tracking is like turning out really great. And I'm like, I credit the actual tracking and the way that I've set it up to to the success of it. Again, there's a difference between noting it down in your phone or mentally noting it and having it physically in front of you. So try to make it so obvious that it's almost obnoxious and see what happens. I have two more things. And one of the second to last ones is giving yourself time and honestly doubling your timeline. We make up so many fake ideas and false timelines and deadlines just based on like people around us. And by the way, we never really even have the full context of how they completed their timeline or how they got to the end of their timeline. We make a lot of assumptions and cast a lot of judgments. And we're like, oh, I see that whatever. She increased her income by summer. So that gives me about three months. I should be able to do that by summer. Well, we don't know anything about how she did that. Does she have team members? Does she have investors? Does she have easier access to capital? Does she, did she already have a successful business and then funnel their clients into this business? Like you don't know that. So to compare your timeless to someone else's is actually a really bad idea. You need to look at your own life and what you have the mental and energetic capacity for. So think about this. Your body does not know that it's Sunday or Monday. It only knows that the sun rises and the sun sets. We have circadian rhythms, right? We as humans made up days. We made up hours and months and weeks and everything to have some structure, right? Imagine, I just want you to think about this. This is a pretty wild concept. Just think right now if there were like no days, no hours, no minutes, no seconds, 
no measurements of time. How would you even communicate with anybody, right? Oh, meet me at some point during the day. Okay, well, what does that mean? 9 a.m., 2 p.m., 7 p.m., right? If we didn't have time markers, it would be really hard to construct a society out of that. Imagine if we didn't have times to show up at work or times to go to the doctors, right? We, we need those markers to be able to actually have a point of contact or exchange time with someone. So that being said, getting out of the philosophical for a second, think about the timeline you're making up. Is it a timeline that you're making up out of your ego or because you compared yourself to someone online that you barely know? Or is it actually doable based on your lifestyle? You really need to think about your lifestyle here. How many hours do you work? How much help do you have at home? What does your bank account look like? Where do you live? Are you in a partnership or not? Are you a caretaker or not? Like all these things very much play factors into your timelines. So you cannot compare your timeline to someone else unless literally they're a clone of you. (laughs) That's the only time you can compare your timeline to someone else. So really, I want you to use your intuition here. If something feels forced, it probably is. And remember that you're not only changing your habits, you're trying to change your identity. This takes a lot of time. I want to go back to that example after college when I lost all that weight. Yes, I lost it quickly. I was in probably the best shape of my life. But because I never changed my identity and I never built habits, I just had this really short-term goal and I got to that goal and then I didn't know what to do after. It showed me, I wow, that's because I gave myself a timeline And I never thought about what would happen when the timeline is up. So I want you to think about that. What's going to happen when the timeline is up? Let's say you're like, yeah, I want to make X amount of money next month. Okay, great. What's going to happen when it's the month after that? How are you going to sustain it? What habits are you building in your business to be able to sustain that income for the next month? Get these specific harsh timelines out of your brain. Work with your intuition. And you know what? Maybe don't give yourself a timeline. I actually don't like timelines. I'm like, I'm going to get there when I get there and I'm going to build habits and systems to get me there. And inevitably the timeline or the goal that I want to hit is just going to come. And I think this is the part that people miss or that they don't even realize that they're doing. They've built really good, solid habits. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, my income did increase or, oh my gosh, I actually do feel a lot better in the mornings. And we don't take time to reflect on Maybe it's because I did start waking up an hour earlier and I had more time to myself. Or yeah, wait, you know what? I started moving 10% of my paycheck to savings and holy shit, I didn't even realize my savings were adding up. Let me backtrack on this for a second. If you're motivated by timelines, get a timeline. I don't like timelines. I'm very motivated by two things, which is loss aversion, which I'll talk about in a second, and accountability. So loss aversion is where you're more motivated by losing something than you are by winning something. An example, on ClassPass, which is one of my favorite apps, you go to different studios and you try out different workout classes on the app. If you miss a class, you lose $15. Some of them, they've even raised the prices now. Like I know in big cities, they're way higher than that. It's like you'll lose $20 or $40 or $50, depending on how boutique or small the studio is. Now, that motivates me. I'm like, I am not missing this hot yoga class and losing $15. Now, let's say ClassPass switched their model and they're like, we're going to give you $20 every time you show up. I, I, for some reason, my brain doesn't work that way. I'm like, oh, that's nice. But like, mm, maybe I'll win $20 tomorrow. 
you know what? I'll try to win 20 next Monday. Who really cares? I already have, you know, what's $20 really going to do? It just, to me, doesn't have the same effect of you are actually losing money out of your bank account because of your own actions. My own action of not showing up to the hot yoga class means I'm going to lose actual money from my bank account. That's not flying with me. And I'm really motivated by that. I'm also really motivated by accountability. So this this is kind of the same thing with ClassPass. I know that there's a trainer there and I'm accountable for showing up to the class that I booked. Yeah, I'm going to show up. This is why I've been loving this new software called Focusmate, which I just talked about in my Instagram stories, where you co-work with someone and you have to book a session. I'm very motivated by knowing that there's somewhere someone on the other end waiting for me. I'm not just going to skip my 8 a.m. Focusmate session to snooze my alarm when I know someone's on the other end counting on me. So that's what motivates me. And that's why I don't love timelines. I'm like, I'm going to work with what I know motivates me, which is accountability and loss aversion and bake that into how I build habits versus some false timeline like, oh, I want to be a healthier person that oh, you know, only drinks green smoothies by the next two weeks. Like, no, I'm changing my identity. And by the way, when you're older, you're think about it this way. You're adding more years of your life that you have to work on changing your identity. So if you're 21, maybe it's a little bit easier to change your identity than if you're 51. Like that logically makes sense, right? You're working with more time that you have to uncondition yourself. Is that even a word? Decondition maybe. And that takes time. So take time. Remember that time isn't even real anyway, and that you make up your own timelines. And then the last thing to do, which is very important, is celebrate. Treat yourself to a bath, to a new clothing item. Go lay out on the beach. Go do something that has absolutely nothing to do with productivity or monetizing. Get your nails done. Take a nap. Go swim in the ocean braid your hair. Like, I don't care. Just do something to celebrate the fact that you're changing your identity because it's going to motivate you to do more. One thing I love to do to celebrate is get these acai bowls that have Nutella in them. They are like the best acai bowls in Brevard County. They're in Cocoa Beach called Acai Express. If you're in Brevard County, you have to check them out. And I've never had a better acai bowl. So whenever I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to treat myself it's by the beach. It feels very like I'm on a vacation eating an acai bowl on the beach. That feels like a celebration, like I'm on a holiday. So that's the way I'm going to treat myself. Or maybe it's getting my nails done. Or maybe it's just taking a day off and watching Netflix and having zero fucks about it. Being like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to watch three con artist documentaries in a row. You have to check out Bad Vegan, by the way, if you haven't. Absolutely nuts. And that's the way you're going to celebrate is just resting. So think about how you're going to celebrate and write it down. So when you finish the habit tracking that you're doing, you have a plan because if not, it's going to feel very empty, right? Imagine if you tracked something for a month and you actually hit it every single day and then you're like, oh, um, okay, cool. I guess I'll just move on to the next thing. That's what most of us do in our businesses and our relationships and everything. And that's why we miss a lot of these big moments because we're so focused on the next thing. You need to take time to stop and celebrate. Again, this does not have to be big. You don't have to go to a party. You don't have to go book a blowout vacation. You could do those things if you wanted, but it could be as simple as buying a candle or again, just laying down. Maybe it's sleeping in that weekend. Maybe it's reading a book that is fiction and you're revisiting Harry Potter right? It doesn't matter. You just want to give yourself a reward to motivate you to keep tracking your habits and keep your habits up. So I hope that helps. We covered a lot, but just to recap, start with identity, 
Start small. Make it obvious and attractive if you're trying to bring it into your life or make it not obvious and not attractive if you're trying to get it out of your life. Track it and try to make it look like a kindergartner's classroom. Give yourself time and honestly double your timeline and celebrate. I know tracking habits has absolutely changed my life. And like I said, I credit most of this, if not all, to James Clear. So check out his book, Atomic Habits. Also check out one of my clients' podcasts, Kelly Carlson of One Bad Habit Podcast. She talks all about habit building as well, which is so incredible. It really is one of the most underrated things I think we could do for ourselves. And it's something we can start to rely on instead of motivation. That's something I think is one of the biggest takeaways here. When you wake up every day and you're like, hopefully I'm motivated to do X, Y, and Z, like make a smoothie, work out, and do my laundry all before the day starts, that's going to be pretty hard to find that motivation every single day. Instead, try habits because then it'll just become an automatic part of your life that you don't even have to think about. You'll just be a person that wakes up and works out and does laundry every time they start their day. By the way, Most people don't do laundry every day, random example, but you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I hope this was helpful. If it was, please DM me at Chelsea Rife or email me info at ChelseaRife.com and let me know. I know for me, this has been absolutely life-changing and maybe we'll do like a habit tracking challenge soon. We'll pick something we all want to work on and, and track it because it really is the funnest thing. I'll upload a video or a photo of my obnoxious tracking boards too, so you can see what it looks like and how crazy it looks. I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, wow, it's it's actually pretty nuts that there's so many colors on it. And yeah, I'm excited to hear your feedback. Like I said, please let me know if you found this valuable. And if you did, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is scroll down to hit write a review, submit your review. And once you do that, send it over to me, info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife, and you will win a podcast notion launch plan which is literally all you need to launch a podcast. It has everything in there. It's what I give my private one-on-one clients. And if you want to become a one-on-one client, just a reminder that those spots are open. I have about five left until April 15th, and then I'll be shutting down enrollment until summer. So if you want to launch, grow, or monetize your podcast, you know where to find me. And you can also head to the link in my show notes to apply. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you go buy a poster board and start tracking your habits this week. And I will see you next week.